Big Podcast. It's Build a Big Podcast, the marketing podcast for podcasters. I'm David Hooper. Bigpodcast.com is the site. What you're about to hear is part three of a three-part series that I did with veteran radio producer Patty McMahon. When I say veteran, I'm talking about the big leagues, baby. You've heard her work without even knowing it. She produced Fresh Air with Terry Gross for years. If you have not heard the first two parts, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. That will get those two for you. On this episode, we are talking about the gig economy and how it's affecting radio and podcast people. We're talking about freelancing and radio. We are talking about aging radio hosts. I'm one of them. How can you keep relevant? I ask her about that. Patty's somebody who's still working. I want to continue to still work. I want to keep you working. We talked about that. We also talked about the opportunity for new radio hosts, new producers, and also podcasters. Again, this is part three of three. If you want those first two parts, the first one, it is about how Terry Gross preps for an interview, how they do edits for fresh air. That is excellent. The second one, also interesting about the number one interview that people ask Terry Gross about, the infamous Gene Simmons interview. Patty was there. So you want to check out that story, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe to make sure you get those two. Here's part three, of my interview with veteran radio producer, Patty McMahon. Not only have you done radio, you're also doing podcasts. Editing for time, you've got a lot more leeway than you do in radio when you're doing a podcast. What are some of the other differences and maybe even things that you've found shocking, enlightening? What's democracy, right? Everybody thinks it's a democratic situation where it's open to everybody, but it's not. Just because you have the tools, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. There are no filters in podcasting like there were in radio. Yeah. And regulation. Yeah, definitely that. I guess... My own personal, I just have to work on my personal time management a little more where I shouldn't be suffering an edit where I could have been finished with it five minutes ago, which I used to do like 15 years ago. But you know what's great though? Something to throw in there is that sometimes it's great to have limitations. And if you've got limitations on time, literally on the episode itself or with your deadline, yeah, it forces you to make these decisions. And I love that. Oh my God. It's great. Yeah, me too. You're like, nope, move it on, move it on. And, and also... When I, I love having um, interns and associate producers and people to train. I'm like, look, there's going to be this, t-, you know, it's like the perfect is the... Um, Enemy of good. Yeah, that whole thing is true. It's like, you have to get over it. You have to just move on. And that's true. And I don't have those right now. So I have to have my internal clock just saying, come on, move it along, move it along. Yeah. So I, I still, though, am whittling it down to the best, trying to cut out anything that's not pertinent to the focus of the interview. Is that what you do? Do you have like a focus sentence or something at the very beginning? And you say, if it relates to this topic, to this sentence, to this cause, it stays in if it doesn't? No, you know what? I don't have any rules. I just think what I think is good is okay. good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do, I work with my professors. I, I work with the university and I work with professors on some of their work. And thank God I've been very fortunate with very, um, people who really care about radio and podcasting. So at least I have a, another person to go back and forth with, with what to keep in, what to leave out and all. Well, sometimes that differs though with an editor versus a host. Maybe you've got a host who thinks the joke was funny and as an editor, you're just, Oh yeah. No, thank God I don't have that. I used to work with somebody like that and that wasn't edited so much and it was live and it was out there, done in the ether. Couldn't go back. Yeah. My name was on it. Life goes on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm, very fortunate now that I'm pretty much have simpatico kind of professors I'm working with, but I really need them sometimes because I'm working in academia and their knowledge base is so much more deep than mine. 
I have like, you know, you have those editing ears, you have like second and tertiary ears that you kind of hear things. But then there's going to be actual facts that you do not know and you don't really have access to. So that's where I have to acknowledge. That's where I have to lean on the host slash editor with me. And also when you get to that deep, though, um, going back to who's your audience, if you have a broad audience and you're getting that deep into whatever the topic is, it shouldn't be in because it'll go over everybody's heads. So there's always those questions to ask, you know, who's the audience? Do you have a deadline? And also we sometimes have to really make up who our audience is, right? Yeah. I mean, can I ask you, like if you're, you have different programs, different shows. Yeah. Who's the audience for this show? This show is podcasters that are looking to grow their audience. It's technically a marketing podcast, but my view of marketing, and maybe this is where I flipped that on its head, is that you can't polish a turd. If you don't know how to edit, and if you don't know the behind the scenes of making a great podcast, all the tricks to get more people to your podcast in the world, not going to help you. It's just going to make you fail faster. So that's why I bring in people like you. Oh, thank you. These are people who are concerned with quality, specifically because they know it's going to help them spread a message. You know, I still have to hold on to that. It's like, it has to be good. And then, of course, you have all the ancillary stuff now that we have to push it along, of course, with social media yeah. and everything. Yeah, I, I still believe that if goodness rises to the to the top, and um, but it's, now you have to make people know what's out there because it's such a competitive. Well, market. it's definitely not like radio. I know that just my local show, just on one station, thirty thousand people a week. That's pretty damn nice because it just happens because we blast it to them. Huh? <laughs> now, thirty thousand downloads. I got to work a little bit harder for that, and. I think that's one of the interesting things about podcasting versus radio. And I've definitely seen it with people from radio. They come in like, oh, of course people are going to listen to it. It's like, no, dude. Mm-mm. This is what I give this example on is Bill O'Reilly. Top news guy, Fox News, primetime cable news network, number one. He disappeared and people are like, where's Bill O'Reilly? Or they don't even remember who he is. People didn't like him. He had the slot and the slot is what made him number one. And we don't have that in podcasting. We have to be the person. We've got to have the content. We've got to go out and reach people, bring them into us because they're not necessarily going to find us, especially if it's a generalist show. Yeah. When you mentioned that you, you heard Terry speak a couple of years ago, it was probably podcast movement. It was. Yes. So I've been to a few of those. I'll tell you, I was working at the Wharton School out of the University of Pennsylvania. That was where I was producing a show. So I went out to the podcast movement in Chicago and saw Kevin Smith, saw all these people do their talks. And I went away thinking, oh my God, I'm sitting on a brand. Wait a second. All these people, like a dentist from a small town in Ohio to the Kevin Smiths, to the NPR folks that are trying to get, and Alex Bloomberg did the keynote, which is beautiful. Right. And I just went back thinking, oh my God, I'm from brands. I am. That just changed my brain a lot because I just took it for granted that I was always around these top names. Yeah. But even if you are around, say, Wharton, people have their own ideas of what the Wharton School was. That was another situation, too, where I like to do deep dives into academic, you know, say, marketing show. Talk to psychologists on their deep psychology about marketing and all that. That could be really cool. Yeah. Then you have to do a market show and hopefully your guest is accurate because that stuff is like magic sometimes. Yeah. So when you say when you have to work harder to get the 30,000 hits, does that mean um, pushing this, the social media or what, what is, what do you mean? Well, okay. Two things. One, that's what the ratings tell us. That's Arbitron or yep. Nielsen or whoever your ratings yeah. situation is. They say, oh, you got 30,000 people. We don't even know that it's accurate. Right. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, I know. It, it, it's, it's like pass along and 
magazines and stuff. And I think what's happened is with media in general, even the record business is this way because, you know, songwriters are mad. I'm here in Nashville and say, oh my God, you can't make money as a songwriter like you used to. It's like, look, dude, the reason you were making money is because your artists put together a 10 cut album. You had an album cut that nobody cared about. Nobody wanted. It was sold because of the single. And here you were saying that you're a hit songwriter. You're not a hit songwriter. You just had an album cut on a hit album. You see what I mean? And I think with podcasting, just like with music now, people are listening just to singles. They only listen to the songs they want. That's why they're not making as much money in the music industry. And with us in podcasting, they listen to only the episodes they want, not just the show, but only the episodes they want. So it's really been a come to Jesus meeting for us in that maybe we're not that good. Maybe we don't have the reach that we thought. Mm-hmm. It was lying to us. It was, I call it vanity sizing. It's going into Walmart. You know, Walmart, what is in one store, Victoria's Secret XL, Walmart calls it a small. Yep. So you're fooling yourself, man. You're fooling yourself. Oh, I had some numbers that were given to me that I was supposed to use that I um, oof, did not want to use because I did not believe them. And I didn't want to be part of the problem. You know, yeah. uh, that was one weird thing that hit me once where, you know how you take the blurbs of books or somebody's bios and then you rewrite them. You don't cut and paste completely, but you don't have all the research in the world to go back. Did they really get a certificate from this? Did they really do that? But you try, you trust. Right. And then, oh my gosh, you're part of that whole machine. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, you know, I would never ever had enough staff to really fit. I mean, yes, you fact check, but you don't go back to the well, old. You can't vet everything. And I'm working on a gentrification documentary right now and you hear these stories and it's like is this revisionism or is this how you wanted it to be or is it just opinion or it's there's no way and and that's where it gets into journalistic integrity because it's like i can't find three people to talk about this guy's personal experience well then frame it in that way right then you have to frame it you you write it in a way that you can approach it that way yeah you know yeah like you what you may be hearing is complete bs i don't know but at the same time when i think about that i think did this joe rogan type thing He's like, well, I don't know. I'm just a dumb comic. I mean, science is a little bit easier, I think, to fact check than personal stories and anecdotes. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to be that guy either who just is like, don't blame me. I'm just the guy. Because we really are all responsible. We have a, yeah, it's a huge responsibility. And that's what I, I think that you understand being from these big brands is that people are listening to you. You've probably been in a situation where, as I mentioned at the very beginning of, of this, people have heard your work but maybe they don't know you were involved. Mm -hmm. And that's always interesting because you can maybe have a real conversation about the impact that you've had on somebody. Even if they do know you're involved, you can have the impact. I don't know that podcasters necessarily realize the power of our voices, that people are listening to us, even if the audience is smaller. Well, keep asking those questions, though, when you're doing these interviews. Well, I'm look, I'm trying to. Then I got to get your editing skills and chop out the rest of it. So... (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) that's how we end up on this long thing. Well, I do want to wrap this up. I'm already editing my head. I was like, all right, I'm going to make this like a five episode thing. And we're going to dive deep into these little elements that we're talking about. But will you talk about, and we're about the same age. So I'm saying this with a very (laughs) gentle, gentle approach. Something I've noticed is that there are aging radio people that like the music industry, the radio business has changed. And some of them 
because of what we have talked about, not understanding microphones. They've had people do that for them, not understanding going out and having to get the listeners. They've had an antenna do that for them. They can't really find their place. And I'd love to know more about you finding your place in the new podcasting space and the the changes and and, and what you've learned and, and your thoughts for somebody who might be in radio and have this skill as an interviewer, as an editor, as a talent, but is kind of maybe unsure about podcasting exactly where they fit in it. Well, it's excellent. And I, I'm glad that you, you asked it with such sensitivity because this is to quotes from the podcast movement from what I guess 2015. This is the second golden age of radio, the second golden age of audio where it is still kind of like the wild west where we're not really beholden to a lot of FCC or any regulation and community standards hopefully are abided. Like with anything, really, if you believe in it and you love it, you have to plug away. You have to plug away. I came from that, but I also came from artists. You know, I mean, I came from people like, I like the word magical thinking, where you really, you got to just keep doing it and keep honing your craft. But I also, too, have always had second jobs. Economics and radio is another conversation, too. Some people can afford to just do radio. So, you know, you, you, if, if it's that important to you, you, you hustle it. You make it happen. And again, you have to adapt. I've had to adapt. I thought I knew about microphones. I thought I knew about so many things that, no, 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 no. Right. <laughs> now I know how to EQ and do noise reduction, which I never had to do because I always had perfect sound. Right. And it is really hard. I'm sure there's some things that I wasn't hip to, like in the beginning. Now, there's definitely things I was not into, like, like trusting the Twitter analytics. Yeah. Am I really going to trust that? But, but you need a baseline. You work for a company. They need analytics to make a budget. They need the budget to do this. It's this whole thing that people need, need data. And also, too, just getting gigs is, is strange because I was laid off of SiriusXM right before the pandemic, which I've always worked forever. And were you working at a studio that they've got in Philadelphia? Yes, they built a studio okay. right, in the Wharton, uh, right in the Wharton building. Okay. We've got a Sirius headquarters here as well. So yeah, we had our own little studio. Things had changed, buzz had changed, um, and I was out. That was strange enough. And I was humbled learning that just because I have the names of like Terry Gross, WHYY, and Wharton on my resume, and I have the skills to back it up, it is very strange that I'm not hired from a full-time job. So I've been eking out my own deals, my own gigs. Gig economy is real. Yeah. I was way into the gig economy before it was before Uber. And at least at least now I'm working with people that I really respect and I love the quality of the work I'm doing. And they have a quite a, a good machine. To, you know, they, it's a university. They have some nice um, some support. But it, I think your question was, was how does a, a, a say a, a veteran transition or? Yeah. Well, any any thoughts you've you've got on that? Yeah, I think if you still want to do it, you just got to do it. And you better adapt and, and humble yourself out and don't get caught up in what it used to be. It's true. Like any of these how-to books in business, well, that's not what we used to do. It's true. Right. <laughs> it's true. And I was one of those people sometimes, you know, um, I got, I had to adapt and just keep reading. I've actually never been so engaged on groups, on listservs and LinkedIn, Facebook, because I never had to. I was like, oh, well, I have my own show. I don't need to be blah, blah. You know, I was probably a little bit snooty. 
And now I am engaged. I need to meet people. I want to be on webinars. I want to learn. There are things that I've totally learned about how you write up your descriptions is different. Your podcast description could be different than writing up a show description for radio, for just a little example. Get headphones, for God's sake. By God, yes. I mean, come on, yeah. people. <laughs> I mean, get just get get your own mic and headphones. It's not going to yes. kill you. Even yes. I'm very surprised by people who should know better. How's that? <laughs> can I go deeper on this with you? Yeah, we can erase this if you like. Oh, it's a, if it's like the pale question. You say I'd rather not talk about that. I mentioned my wife being a photographer. Mm-hmm. Being a model is a youth oriented business, especially what she does. She's what they call beauté, meaning she's about three feet away from you, and you can see every pore. Mm. And the little pores that you have, they get photoshopped out. There becomes a time when your skin has just had too much UV or whatever, yeah. you know, and that time is about 22, 25 years old. So you can be in and out of that business relatively quickly. Yeah. And something I'm looking at pushing 50 is that I was like, man, I'm, I don't feel like I'm that old, but there's this new generation of content creators coming in. And I think it's super empowering that we have Various people, for example, that are not white men, which we controlled media for so long, right? Fabulous. Where it's almost, you know what I mean? It's almost like a trend or something. Well, white guys aren't, it's not a trend now. You know, it's almost like music business. It's like you had the older artist and then you wanted the younger Britney Spears artist. And, you know, there's there's trends that come and go. What we're talking about now, if I think what you're talking about, is very much deeper and trickier. If we're talking post-Black Lives Matter, DEI, BIPOC situations where it's a huge reckoning yeah. and loud white guys, and you're not one of the loud white guys, loud white guys don't get the gigs all the time anymore. Right. Yeah. Let's go there. I'm not trying to not go there, but I, I, I just wonder, it's almost like, you know, what we think about when we think about radio and podcasting, do you think younger people that are just like, Hey, TikTok, you know what I mean? They just happen to have their finger on the pulse of something kind of a weird place to stop. This is why I did it that way. The opportunity for new radio hosts, producers, and podcasters. I cut it short, not because Patty didn't have something interesting to say about this. She did. But because I think it's better to end this series with you, since you are the one who is affected by this. And I'll give you a guidepost. Older, or as she said, veteran hosts and producers. I'm one of those guys, so I'm going to say we here. We have an opportunity right now, and our skill is still needed if we are willing to do the work and pick up extra skills. When I started radio, I was a lot like Patty. I would walk in, maybe I would hit record, but I didn't know how to edit. These days, I know how to edit. I know how to put stories together. I know a lot more than I did, partly out of curiosity, partly because that is the standard that people expect. You got these kids coming up. They're growing up with YouTube. They're growing up with editing software. They're growing up with all sorts of stuff that we never had access to. If you listen to the first episode of this series with Patty, if you don't have that, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe, that will make sure you get it. She talks about the razor blade, the grease markers, the literal pieces of tape that she had to cut out from an interview, put back in somewhere else. We've been forced because of the equipment that we had to make decisions in a certain way. Well, that decision-making ability, that still comes in handy. So we've got a lot to offer. Younger people, you've got your finger on the pulse of something. Right now, TikTok, YouTube, whatever. You have an opportunity as well. Both groups of people, younger and older, we've got communication skills. We communicate differently. But if we can come together, think about how powerful that is. 
We can learn from each other. And I think that the different aspects of these skills that we do learn from each other, that's going to make all of us better. So keep at it. If you need help, reach out to me. Bigpodcast.com is the website. As I mentioned, this is part three of a three-part series. So there are two other parts. If you haven't heard those first parts, bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. And I've got more than just three episodes about how to make a great podcast, attract people to your podcast, be a better host, make money with your podcast, spread your message. I got a lot of them. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe will get you all of them. They are all free. Try it. If you like it, I'll keep sending them. If you don't like it, unsubscribe. No hard feelings. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. Thanks to Patty McMahon for joining me. For more information about her, I've got everything linked in the episode notes. Just go to bigpodcast.com. That'll get you hooked up with everything that you need. And do subscribe. Bigpodcast.com slash subscribe. When you do, I will see you on the next episode of Build a Big Podcast.